This is Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It is Friday, July 3rd, 2020. This is episode 622. I've been doubling up lately. I have nothing better to do up here in the woods <laughs> where I live. I may make this into a daily podcast. I'm, I'm kidding, but um, it's good to keep busy, isn't it? Uh, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're doing well. Numbers are surging around the country, and so I'm... Uh, you know, I think that it kind of reinforces any doubt that I, or rather, removes any ambivalence that I may have had about the move. Uh, I think here it's much easier to distance and much easier to uh, breathe, you know. But uh, that's just my own personal experience and my own personal opinion. So, uh, but I'm up here and um, I've been enjoying it. So I've been doing a lot of these recordings through Zoom. You've been hearing it that way. I am about to upgrade the situation a bit. Uh, so uh, if it's been bothering you, I apologize, but I, I am now going to begin to just improve the audio. Uh, so I, again, I apologize about that. Uh, I What I will not apologize is for the quality of guests. We have, for instance, today, two friends of the podcast. We have two uh, wonderful documentary filmmakers, we have uh, the lovely Dawn Porter returning to the podcast. Um, Dawn was last on episode 479 back in April of 2018 with her Bobby Kennedy documentary. She's back with a brand new documentary called John Lewis Good Trouble. And uh, that is now available. You can watch it right now after you listen to our conversation I sh- anyway. And then... Returning for her, oh my goodness, this is her fourth visit to the podcast over the years, Martha Shane. We did a, uh, a segment some time ago, about a year ago, with uh, regarding her new documentary, Narrowsburg, which um, I think it was having its world premiere, festival premiere anyway, at uh, Camden International Film Festival, and we recorded this conversation, or rather, we recorded that conversation, the most recent one. Now, Martha's back, because you can watch Narrowsburg as well as of right now. So we're going to have those two conversations. But first here is Dawn Porter. Uh, Dawn has made a number of uh, very memorable documentaries, including um, uh, Gideon's Army, Trapped, and the uh, aforementioned John Kennedy documentary. Now she's back again with uh, John Lewis, Good Trouble. Among the producers of this documentary is Erica Alexander, who is going to be on uh, an upcoming episode in the next few days, also to talk about this documentary and and much more. Dawn made this film using interviews and rare archival footage. The film John Lewis Good Trouble chronicles Lewis's 60-plus years of social activism and legislative action on civil rights, voting rights, gun control, health care reform, and immigration, using present-day interviews with uh, Mr. Sent with uh, Congressman Lewis, now 80 years old, Porter explores the childhood experiences. It, Porter explores his childhood experiences, his, his inspiring family, and his fateful meeting with Dr. Martin Luther King in 1957. In addition to her interviews with, uh, in addition to her interviews with Lewis and his family, Porter. Uh, Porter's primarily cinema verite film also includes interviews with political leaders, congressional colleagues, and other people who figure prominently in his life. We're going to play a little bit of the trailer going into the segment and then finish it up coming out of the segment. I should mention the film is um, streaming off the uh, Film Forum website right now. Visit johnlewisgoodtrouble.com and find out all sorts of other options for seeing the film. Uh, it will be on CNN at some point in the future, I assume, since it's a CNN film. Uh, but in the meantime, here it is. This is uh, Dawn Porter, uh, her second visit to the podcast, right here on Film Wax Radio. My 
philosophy is very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, say something, do something. Get in Trevor, good Trevor, necessary Trevor. He was always different than every member of Congress. Everybody knew what he had done. He was John Lewis. We're marching today to dramatize to the world that hundreds and thousands of Negro citizens denied the right to vote. Congressman Lewis gave us the blueprint to organize and to legislate. The reason why he's effective as a leader is because he's lived it. Adam! Ms. Porter? How are you? Oh, wait, let me start my video. Hello. Yeah, crazy hair. Okay. How are you? <laughs> Why do you look the same? You look fine. You look fine in the pandemic. Oh, well, thank you. My, my plastic surgeon thanks you. <laughs> I don't have a prepared joke. I don't take compliments well. So I, well, yeah. are, you? are you in New York? Yeah. I, actually, it's funny because uh, I was supposed to head out to, tonight, actually, to look at a place that I'm moving into or hope to oh, but i can't because i can't get back into the city if i do oh so i just thought oh there's because of the curfew yeah where are you moving to well just north of the city you know um a little bit north like mm -hmm. um i past, yeah past yonkers past all that a little north of there yeah a bit north of there but that's the right side of the river yeah, yeah. you get nyack and then you go another yeah half are you hour. going all the way to nyack no further. Oh, <laughs> well, wow. I would like to, I was in Nyack actually. I was visiting somebody. Nice, um, nice. It's really nice. I like yeah. those, I like those old towns, you know? Yeah, me too. They have a lot of history yeah. and they, there's a little bit of like the New York City osmosis thing going on at least. Oh yeah, definitely. But I need a break, at least for, for the time being. So this is like a summer thing, which could go longer, but. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah. Um, how about you? Uh, we are in Martha's Vineyard, so that's nice. Um, yeah, it's peaceful. You know, uh, I mean, every you know, it's everyone's people are stressed, but people are behaving. We don't have a lot of cases, so we're trying to keep it that way. So. Sure, right. And um, uh, you are? Uh, do you have kids? I do. I have teenagers. I have eighteen and sixteen. Okay, me too. It, I mean, uh, my sixteen-year-old was with me until about two weeks ago. Yeah. Now he's in Los Angeles, so it's been a little bit, a little bit of a transition, getting used to being alone. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. So, Hence I bet my kids would like that transition. <laughs> <laughs> he's expecting to come back to Brooklyn, and anything short of that, I don't know if he's going to be happy. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> well, we're still figuring it out as information becomes available about schools and everything else. You know. Right. Right. But you're in the same boat. Um, All right, so I should start because I, I know, I know. We don't I have was time late, time. and then I'm holding everybody up. Okay, we are okay for a little bit. Uh, yes, yes. Otherwise, you're gonna hit me at part two. I know. Which I would I like anyway, but uh, I, but I just squeeze in uh, your your 18 year old uh, is where they be starting school college or he, he was on a gap year, so <laughs> he's supposed to start in the fall. So he is going to Swarthmore College. Oh wow. So we're hoping that he can go. You know, it's a small school, so maybe they could do testing. Yeah. So we're just well, to see. I'm doing a big article for Filmmaker Magazine on the whole film school, like their film school edition. I'm working oh, on it yeah. now. And it's, yeah. I've been talking to everybody. I just got off the emailing with Marco Williams, in fact. I just, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, because he teaches, right? What? He teaches, right? Marco Northwestern. teaches. Northwestern, yeah. 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 But I mean, I'm just talking to every film school you can think of. Anyway, the point being is that I I'm surprised by how many are are forging forging ahead. So you know, they yeah. I mean, they all have their plans and they're working night and day on them. I'm sure to make sure everything goes as. And then there's the greater unknown, which you still can't control. So you can do what you exactly. plan accordingly, but then the world can change. Anyway, mm. but we're going to talk about your new film, <laughs> John Lewis, Good Trouble. Yeah. Good John Lewis, Good Trouble, Great Title, as I call it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it's almost like, isn't it just point your camera? I mean, I don't mean to be reductive, but yeah. isn't it all you have to do is point your camera at this guy? 
Um, almost. <laughs> you know what I would the the slight modification to that I would make is point your camera when he's with somebody. Um, because he is a person who loves people. He just comes alive. Um, he's such, he's such a, a, an inviting human. Um, and he's, he, and he's also just really fun. Um, and funny. Yeah. He's just, um, like that. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, that is, Showing, you know, like when people, what people know of John Lewis, they think of him as fierce and brave and he's, you know, always kind of railing about something intense. So, you know, I wanted to also make the point that he's really funny, you know, and really, um, and he loves when he makes a good joke, like, you know, (laughs) for the audience. Proud of himself. Did you catch that? Did you get it? You know, (laughs) right. I, I love that about the congressman. That was like a real joy you right. know, to participate in. That's right. Was that a surprise, that component, or were you already aware of that? Um, you know, I knew he was fun because mm-hmm. <laughs> we had seen videos. I mean, he was on Colbert being handed from person to person. We couldn't afford that particular clip, but <laughs> oh. I knew he was fun. Um, but seeing like his quick wit which was a really uh, fun surprise. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned he's much better. Well, you didn't say much better. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But you said that he was more at least cinematic, let's say. Uh, mm-hmm documentary friendly when he's with other people right he comes alive but uh, you must have had you know he's a person i think like all of us are realizing you know that kind of fundamental part of our personalities whether Mm -hmm. we gravitate to people or whether we need more alone time and he there's definitely a part of him that um is fulfilled at personal interactions you know, he's really good at at the the personal interactions. He's a really good listener um, and he pays attention. And if you're that kind of person, those, you know, interactions, those small interactions are going to be really special. So, you know, when we filmed him going through the airport with people coming up to him and, um, you know, it can be, as his son says, tedious. <laughs> Um, because, you know, but he doesn't take for granted the love that people show. And, and I just think that that's a really means a lot to a lot of people. It means a lot to a lot of people. And he knows that. Yeah. And he appreciates, and he respects it. Because people will start crying. People literally, I've seen them multiple times just become overcome. And that was before our country was embroiled in, you know, race wars and the pandemic. And, um, you know, I I get it. You know, sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes because you're worried they might ruin it for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And John Lewis, like, he's he's not that (laughs) guy, you know. When you meet him he makes the interaction fulfilling. Um, and, you know, the, it's also one of the reasons why it, it's interesting though, because he will sometimes talk about, well, young John Lewis. And I'm like, are you talking about you? <laughs> <laughs> or is this somebody else that was like, it's not the most uncommon name. It could be somebody else. Yeah. And uh, so we had this moment, we were at the civil rights museum in Alabama, Brian Stevenson's beautiful civil rights museum which I hope everyone will visit. I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was watching um, a display that was about himself. (laughs) And he turned to a a kid next to him and he said, I can't believe that's me, you know? And I thought that was like the moment, you know, like kind of got my cinematography wheels going. I was like, oh, I should let him see the movie, see what we all see, you know? So that's one of the things we did with him is we rented a stage in Washington, D.C., the arena stage, and we brought in three huge screens and yeah. surrounded him with video of him. With So then like Jessica Congdon, the editor, and my amazing archivist, Rich Remsberg, like they made like a movie for him. It's like a mini movie. 
it was very and then, effective. And then he, thank you. And then he started yeah. show, telling stories about what he was seeing and remembering. I bet this gets stolen a lot. Serious, when people start I seeing it, so. I bet that's used again for some variation of it um, because it was very effective to see that. You could have done that all on CG. I just want you to know next time also. <laughs> Blue screen, he would, you know, he would have to see it in a monitor though. So maybe it was better because he, he was able to see what was going on around him, right? I he kept looking for, over his shoulder. Yeah, I think for yeah. him, because, you know, so at that time, you know, it's hard to remember, but people used to have jobs. <laughs> And <laughs> they used to have to leave the house. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to do with him was get him out of his office, out of his home, and just shut everything else down huh. and let him kind of bathe in that time period again. Right. And he's so busy. He's so, you know, he's like the most re requested graduation speaker. I mean, our scheduling, we were like, all right, Congress is out, yay. And he's like, oh, well, then the graduation speeches start. And, you know, he does all these graduation speeches. So I wanted to just kind of quiet things down and get him out of, you know, his normal place. Oh, right. And then, you know, make it almost confessional and let him, you know, like talk. And then he was just, there were a ton of people, but we turned all the lights down and it was just screen. And he was just talking to me. <laughs> and it was so cool to see him narrate his own life. And now it's your turn to be sort of have a moment of like, hey, look at this. I'm talking to John Lewis. You know, that, uh, you know where you're, because you're used to talking to famous people like me, you know, you, and then once, a, no, well, I do a lot of, you yeah, know, I yeah. talk to, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I grew up with like loving this person. You know, I know. <laughs> so, like, they mean so much to me. And I can't, if I start saying it, you're going to think I'm totally stupid. You know? it's, stupid. It, it's true. Um, and that's, you know, one of the kind of benefits we have as documentary people is we usually get to spend a long time with people. So that kind of shininess of their fame, it rubs off after a little while. And you yes. can get to a point where you can just see them as regular people mm, a yeah. little bit, right. you know? Um, but I but like, that's what we're trying to get to, you know? Right. That makes sense. Otherwise you're really not doing them, doing anybody a service, right? If it's just a, uh, uh, but you, I did want to get to something when you did have him alone also in quiet, um, you know, I just, I wondered if his, if his nature changes from the uh, more public, right. You know, version of himself when he is, in those situations, um, like being the, you know, the commencement speaker or walking through the terminal, you know, but what about alone in a room where he is finally, does anything, I mean, obviously he probably gets a little bit more, I'm going to guess, uh, sedate or something. I don't know. You know, he's actually a very quiet person, very quiet. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he is different. You know, I've seen the change because he, he really does have to, he, he's like a receptacle for everybody's emotions and he just takes it all in. And I think when he's home, he can, he can kind of stand up a little straighter. He doesn't have to take all of our stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I think when he's at home, he's more um, like that's where that's why I thought it was important to show how important art is for him. You know, he's very much an observer. Um, he's um, he loves art. He likes he loves music. He loves he loves just being at home. He loves those cats. <laughs> like he's a cat guy. Um, and so his home is very serene, you know, it's really, um, it's, it's like elegant, like he is, you know, it's a uh, very it's Atlanta home, right? Cause he has to have a DC home too, right? That's yes. He has an Atlanta home. <laughs> yeah. And then he has a townhouse on Capitol Hill. Right. Um, yes. and I think it's the Atlanta place that's really his home. Yeah. You know, right. and that he shared with his wife and, that he shared with Lillian exactly and their son John Miles. So 
um, you know, I think he's, so I, I, you know, in person he's, um, he's quieter. Um, he listens a lot, uh, which I also think is how he is in private meetings. You know, um, Ayanna Presley was telling us, um, you know, in the story where she told, she tells us about how he addressed and he started working with the squad, you know, and the young, yes. the young first termers. And, uh, you know, she's like, he speaks and you could hear a pin drop because he doesn't, he only speaks when he has something to say. He's not a person who talks to hear his own voice. He doesn't speak for the sake of speaking. So when he speaks, it really does matter. Mm -hmm. what, well, I guess I was going to ask about if he's, uh, it's sort of usually how I close. I'm not ready to close things, but it came to mind. I mean, you, you, you know, I know he, you brought in the film of his the documentary. Of, well, I remember one thing I want to talk about first. I will get to this last question eventually, which is what he thought of the final product himself. And that's always got to be a lot of pressure for you when a living subject sees the film, right? But um, I guess uh, now I'm, I'm going to continue to forget what, I'm, what I wanted to talk about. So well, I can I, talk about that. I, I ate lunch. <laughs> <laughs> My brain wouldn't be completely shut down. It's but I'm pandemic a... brain. It's just really... Oh, you, you know, know what? Yes, okay. Yeah. So, uh, the, the whole point, I guess, is a lot of time I get, I, get, I guess I, I find, especially in an like, 80, 90 minute documentary, that um, uh, what, what I prefer is not getting overpacked with the whole life, you know, the person. What right. I appreciate, again, another thing that works well, I thought with John Lewis Kutrop, and we'll get to the title also in a moment, mm -hmm. is that you, it's really very much John Lewis in the present, even though, yes, he talks mm -hmm. about all those, you know, the, the, the moments. Yeah. And, the, and the, the, you know, these, uh, which were global in their impact, yeah. um, if not national. But, um, you know, but I, I did like that you really caught him as John Lewis right now, today. Well, I appreciate that because that, that was definitely a goal of mm -hmm. mine is I feel like if you know who John Lewis is, what you know is probably him on the bridge. If you're if you know a little bit more history and you know, this was really new to me to really focus on it. You might know also that he was a freedom writer. Um, but beyond that, you know, his life did not stop when he was 23, you know, he's 80 and that's right. It was just starting. So um, I really wanted to, so in some ways I wanted to examine the past moments that I thought were influential to who he is today. So when you look at the kind of legislator he is, when he talks about not discriminating against gay people or not discriminating against women, he's bringing the experience of being discriminated against as a black person to those fights, to those conversations. When he talks about, you know, gun violence, he's talking about fear that he's experienced. So all of these things that are in his past really yes. contributed to who he is today. And, and so that's why I wanted to ex explore those moments, but really kind of send the message that activism is ongoing. It is not, you know, he's not a postage stamp. He didn't just like stay on that bridge and do one great thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, and now more than ever, I mean, uh, it, it's got to be on some level, I don't know, maybe he's so evolved, as you described him, he sounds just like somebody who continues to evolve, but like, like to be able to accept what's going on today um, and, and not be frustrated by the fact that we haven't made more progress, all the work he's done over the decades, you know, I wonder what, you must be talking to him right now. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, it's funny you say that because during the making of the film, I cannot tell you how many times I would say, oh, Mr. Lewis, this happened today, or that happened today. And he just is so consistent and was so, you know, you have to like see the long game. And, and there's, there's something Brian Stevenson said that just really stuck with me about John Lewis. And he said, John Lewis had to envision a future that he could not see that he had not ever experienced as a sharecropper's kid living in a tin shack house without plumbing, mm -hmm. he had to see an equal future. 
for his children. He had to see a life that had a place for him. So, you know, when he talks about kind of what the long arc of justice, he means lifelong arc. He doesn't mean, you know, one year or two years. He's really looking to this is a battle for all of our lives and you have to be continually vigilant in order to attain your goals. And I think, and I definitely include myself in this, I think that perhaps we were a little too comfortable. You know, Barack Obama gets elected and you feel like we have made progress. We do have a good leader. You know, yes, there are some some things that we just didn't want to see. You know, some of the some of the racism, some of the anger. You don't want to see that, you know, if you're comfortable. And I think that that was to our peril. So I don't know that John Lewis is as surprised as the rest of us. I think in some ways he's more prepared. And that is part of the legacy and lesson of his life. Hmm. Did he enjoy the film? He did enjoy the film, so I'll tell you. Um, there are moments that are even, uh, I'd say, Oh, it's a little bordering on critical, right? I mean, there's a particular... No, there are things I was nervous about. I was nervous about the Julian Bond, you know. It's not something people talk about. Um, But, you know, he's a human being. He's not... That's part of doing a full portrait of choices that you make. Um, But I was nervous about that. I I admit I was nervous. Um, So we made... I, I went... I took it to him, to his house. I flew from California <laughs> to his house in Washington, D.C. Um, and put, pulled out my laptop. And, uh, you know, this was, he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so he was already in treatment. So I wasn't, he couldn't fly at that point because he was undergoing treatment. We were going to have a screening in Atlanta that he couldn't make it to. So I said, well, I'm just going to come to you then to show you because I want you to see it before anybody else does. So I went there, he opens the door, he's in chemotherapy, right? He opens the door, he's got a vest on, he's got his dress pants on. This was kind of a joke because every time I filmed him, he was always dressed up. You know, we get there eight in the morning, he has his dress shirt on. I say, Mr. Lewis, and he's like, this is casual. My sleeves are rolled up, this is casual, you know? So I get there and he throws open the door and we sit and I watch it. My heart is always in my throat, you know, at these moments when you're showing somebody a movie. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there were times when he got a little teary during it. And then after he said, that was so powerful. That was so powerful. And we were just kind of silent for a little while. And then I just spent like another two hours with him. We were just talking, just talking. And he, he was remembering other things. And then we were talking about what's happening now. And it was just, it was like being a cocoon of, I don't know, light. <laughs> And uh, it was very, very special to have that time with him, to show him that. And uh, I wanted to make this movie while he was here to enjoy it. And uh, that is one of my deepest, profound gratitude that I got the chance to do that. Well, how is he now, though? Is he, if um, pancreatic cancer during the coronavirus, it almost seems like you can't make that up, how difficult and complicated that is. He, he's um, been tolerating treatment really well. Uh-huh. And um, he was able to do the um, Selma pilgrimage that he always does where he takes the congressional delegation. He was there. Mm-hmm. He said, I haven't missed one. <laughs> you know, I think he's missed one. Um, and he was like, this will not be that year. I'm not missing one. Um, so I think, you know, how are any of us? We're all in various stages of, you know, absolutely, grief absolutely, and, yeah. and sadness yeah. and stress. Just things just get, keep getting piled on, but uh, you know, right. we have, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have cancer, so it's yeah. And um, but I think that um, he's lived a he's lived the life he's wanted to live, and that is a real blessing. Mm, and I think that a lot of us could learn from that. You know, you only have one life. And he says this in the film, you got to give it all you have. And he knows that he's done that. So I think he's, um, I think he's, he's pretty peaceful. I think he has hard days, but I think he's pretty peaceful. 
just just explain what good trouble is and then we'll sure um so as a young child um john lewis's mother would always say you know he would ask why this kind of racist thing or that kind of racist thing and she would say that's just the way it is don't look for trouble don't get in trouble and he kind of turned that on its head and said he was going to get in trouble but it was going to be good trouble necessary trouble um and that's what he's been doing ever since so he encourages everybody look at all those people out there getting that's right they're getting in good trouble exactly yeah it's his legacy thank you don thank you adam it's always so nice to talk to you it's never long enough (laughs) good luck with your move thank you thank you very much well hopefully i'll talk to you soon you bet okay Okay. take care we made a decision to march in an orderly, peaceful, nonviolent fashion from Selma to Montgomery. You are ordered to disperse. This march will not continue. I was hit in the head. My knees went from under me. I thought I was going to down the bridge. If John Lewis, as a 19, 20 year old, wasn't doing what he did, I would not be here. We used to march with the spirit of love and with the spirit of dignity that we have drawn here today. The whole time he was in the movement, it was frightening, knowing the danger, knowing what could happen. You cannot replace a John Lewis. He's the most courageous person I ever met. Too many people struggled and died to make it possible for every American to exercise their right to vote. He challenges the conscience of the Congress. Bring common sense gun control legislation to the House floor. Forty years later, John Lewis continues to inspire us. Are you with me? Let me hear you. Three civil rights workers that were murdered for trying to help people get registered to vote are looking down on us. This is a time for action. That's what I learned from John Lewis. There are forces in America today who want to take us back, but we're not going back. We're going forward. Narrowsburg tells the story of a French film producer and her mafioso-turned-actor husband who, who attempt to turn a tiny town into the Sundance of the East. Persuading the townspeople that they can become movie stars, the pair create a fever pitch of excitement, launching a film festival and shooting a gangster movie. As this stranger-than-fiction tale unspools, it becomes a meditation on the power of cinema and the fine line between dreams and delusions. We're going to talk about it, but I think uh, it is available on Apple Movies or formerly iTunes on Amazon and on Voodoo. Martha Shane is an Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker. Her directorial debut after Tiller, which we had her on the podcast a couple of times to discuss that film back in the day. After that film premiered in the U.S. documentary competition at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival, it won the Emmy and it won, subsequently won the Emmy for Best Documentary. In 2019, her film Picture Character, a feature-length documentary about Emoji, premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Martha produced and co-wrote the award-winning documentary From This Day Forward, which was theatrically released by Argo Pictures and broadcast on the PBS documentary series POV. And she produced and co-directed the feature documentary By The Way, which had its premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival and was broadcast on MTV's Logo channel. In addition to directing and producing, Martha is an editor whose recent credits include 11816, uh, Acorn and the Firestorm by our friend Sam Pollard, who was recently on the podcast, and the Emmy-nominated Personal Statement. This is Martha's fourth time on the podcast. She's a dear friend. I welcome Martha Shane back to Film Wax Radio. Don't sleep through your dream, live it at the Narrowsburg International Independent Film Festival. Meet producers, actors. Richie Castellano, the ex-mobster turned actor. I'm interesting. The story sucks. When Richie and Jocelyn first showed up, it was like some people from outer space had landed in Narrowsburg. All of them had been in Analyze This or Casino. We like to say hello to Mr. Castellano, bring this whole thing together. It was a ghost town, but there are really people living here. They had big plans for Narrowsburg. They were going to put it on the map. Yo, hey, 
We were making mob comedy. He said people are going to be movie stars. And almost everybody that went up there, Richie would go, you're good, yeah, I like you. I got something for you in this movie. Welcome to the Sundance of the East. <laughs> hey. Hello. Hey. How's it going? How Hi. are you? <laughs> wow, is that your, so this is your new Yeah. New yeah. <laughs> Let me shut the window, though, because I'm like, it's rush hour traffic going right by oh. my whoa what's that that's me that's my son okay oh back my in, god back in the 1960s hilarious amazing <laughs> yeah i found every i'm finding everything because i'm finally like unpacking years of oh, like i had stuff because sure. i've been living in you know in the city and you know this little tiny space or that place and my stuff has been in one place or another or just on in boxes or storage so i'm like yeah, finally What's That's that? awesome. Yeah, I know. So I, where uh, are you again? Tell me. I I can't I can't disclose. No kidding. I'm near. Um, uh, I'm in Tivoli or right Upper Red Hook. I guess it's. Oh, it's, it's so, so confusing. There's Red Hook, Brooklyn, and then Red Hook upstate. It's just yeah. how are we supposed to? <laughs> but the, yeah. Well. Uh, anyway, uh, this is day five. Wow. Mm. And so they, what haunted? Yeah. Well, it's pretty much what you would guess to some degree. I just like had been um, wanting to get out, get away from quarantining in the city. And then my dad passed away. And, oh, yeah. you know, there was a, thanks. Yeah, it was just like a number of things. It was like, you know, and I just realized I need to get a new apartment anyway. And then I was, I just didn't want to. I don't want to, you know, live like this. I, I just couldn't, do, it was still so many factors happening at once. And the other thing is my mom, I can't get in to see her. You know, it's not a happy story in that way, but I'm not too far. Like, you know, a couple of hours, of, I could be in the, in the yeah. New York. So, Sounds nice. It's really nice up here, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, it puts me in a good mood when I'm just like running my errands and I'm going through these little towns. And I drove down <laughs> to down to Tivoli, which is, you know, so it's just very small, but like very just storybook town. And, mm -hmm. um, and then you just keep going down the road for, and you're at the Hudson river, you know, it's like, it's pretty nice. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Very jealous. <laughs> no. You know, and I know the other reason I chose this area is cause I actually know like, quite a few people in this area um and i've been coming up here over the years okay. like if, if i couldn't go to narrowsburg because i just don't know anybody in that part of the state <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying so it's like i, I mean yeah, I chose this, totally. yeah i mean i chose this area because i knew i had a built-in social life that i can't see <laughs> <You know? laughs> right Someday uh, you have a social life there. <laughs> when yeah. Everyone has social lives again. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm seeing as many people. Actually, I'm seeing more people because uh, you can kind of, I saw some people, they had a little a, a little welcoming thing for me uh, the other night. And that oh, was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't seem easier with big backyards. And right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and like a lot of the restaurants have space in the front, like real space, some of them. So, oh, or they'll have like a little parking lot or they'll have like a garden in the front so they can actually put out, you know, they can really run their business, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's here. Every, you, you see tables just squished in every, every spare corner. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've been an advocate for like really just relaxing any kind of sidewalk restriction. Yeah. Totally. Like just, just let, let these let these businesses do what they can now of course everything's stopping again well maybe indoor maybe just indoor yeah. just I, indoor but still yeah can you imagine like you're uh, uh, barely holding on you own a restaurant and then you're given the green light and then like the second day you're told nope we're pulling the plug yeah oh my god like, it's insane yeah how, how are you doing martha um, I'm good. Yeah, I've just been, I've actually just been super busy. And right. yeah, it's just the schedule is crazy. And yes. So we saw, the last time we saw each other was at as Camden, do you think? Yeah, no, wait. No, I saw you briefly at um, Doc NYC. Mm -hmm. At a party that I almost didn't get into, but they 
some let me in at the last minute. Um, I, I don't know if you remember. Was. I don't remember. It was, I think it might have been the opening oh. night party or okay. something, you know, one yeah. of the many parties that seem like they had <laughs> yeah. to place a long time ago I know, in a different right. world. There's probably talking about see that that caused the pandemic. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> spread, yeah. The, spread the word. <laughs> I just film festivals it. in general may have been responsible i mean that's true yeah. <laughs> don't you miss don't you i mean it's um i hope i hope i mean it's okay we missed a year it's like it's, uh, it sucks like it's nice to be able to go to a, some festivals and last year I, but last year i went to quite a few that I, I i don't typically do that but i go to you know a certain number, but I actually went to quite a few new ones last year, including Camden. I hadn't been before. And so I was hoping to continue that this year. That was kind of the fun is like visiting new places, but always running into it. And then seeing some old friends there kind of gives you a little bit of a, you know, a level of comfort, you know, in a new environment. It's it's, totally. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's just, so that's a shame. And of course, you know, I just feel bad for, all those organizations, absolutely. Um, and I'm hoping it gets back next year. But, you know, then again, who knows what festivals, like, if they'll change at some level because, you know, does it make sense to for people to be flying all over the place? I don't know. But I, I think it's a great way to just, you know, support the, the community of, of filmmakers. And, um, you know, I, I, so I, hope, I hope they continue with the way they've been, to some, at least to a great degree. I hope so. Yeah, I know. It's like now we feel nostalgic even for like scam film festivals. Like those, you know. <laughs> well, that's a smooth segue <laughs> there. That was, that was a very smooth segue. Like, yeah. I, told, I told you that a few weeks ago I, I met my, I was technically in my father's apartment. He, uh, I had gotten there because I thought I was going to have to clear out his place and, um, you know, uh, he was clearly not coming back to the apartment, so we th- were, thought we might get him into either a nursing home or a better, best scenario into an assisted living type of situation. But you know, obviously, it didn't happen. But I was there, and I was starting to—I based myself there because I had to go see him a lot, and he was in and out of different places nearby. And and then also, they would, I had to pack his stuff and figure out what to do with everything, get get the apartment closed out, and then of course. COVID-19 happened and I was quarantining there with my son. And then finally in the last, you know, month or so, I finally did clear out of there and I found this place. And, um, and, um, but my, this neighbor, these, everybody was, you find out who, uh, oh, my dad talked to these people and became very friendly. And oh, really? So there's a young, yeah, there's a young couple next door who I talked to quite a bit. And, um, they said, "Oh, you know, I, I'm only telling. I, you know the story already, but I'm telling because we're we're recording the podcast." But um, and and he said, uh, "I was telling him I'm moving upstate." He said, "Oh, where?" And I told him where. And, I, and he goes, "Yeah, we were just upstate a few weeks ago." And and so I said, "Oh, okay." And he, he didn't remember. He didn't remember the town's name, so he started to look it up on his phone, like probably in an email or something. I don't know. And finally, found. He goes, "Oh, you ever hear of Narrowsburg?" <laughs> so <laughs> funny. Act- I love that. Yeah, I said I don't know where to begin answering that because I. Said, you know, are you oh a friend of the scam festival? I said to him. I, yeah, the famous. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty weird. Like it's inter- it, Now that the film is actually out, you know, I really was like, wow. Like the, it's funny how the name of the movie is just the name of the town. There. Yeah. <laughs> very kind of them to let me borrow the name of their town for the movie since I guess it'll be pretty heavily associated from now on. For better or for worse. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Hopefully for better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess we should retell the the story again because for new listeners who haven't listened to our last episode where you had I think was it where was it your premiere there? Yeah, it was. I know my premiere was at Camden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's, um, that's where we we. I th- did we do the podcast in Camden? No, I think what we did is we did it afterwards, but we set it up 
but we made it like it was made. Did we do it at Doc and YC then? Uh, or did we fudge and pretend like it was coming from Camden? Like, I think that it was, I can't remember what our story was, but yeah, I know we sure. did it a little while after Camden. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's where I saw it. And, um, that's where it premiered. And, um, so anyway, mm -hmm. but anyway, so obviously when, on that conversation, we talked a great deal about the story uh, about it, but you know, I think you should probably do a little capsule synopsis for our listeners, Martha Shane. Oh, yes. Um, uh, well, so Narrowsburg is a film that I made, um, and it's about a, basically a pair of uh, con artists who moved to a tiny town in upstate New York. They were both people from our, our very own film industry. One of them was kind of a mafiosa turned actor, mm -hmm. and the other um, had run film festivals in the past. And so they went up to Narrowsburg and they told everyone in this town that they were going to start a film festival that was going to be bigger than Sundance. And they were going to make a gangster movie that was going to be kind of like analyze this, like a gangster, a mafia comedy kind of thing. All, um, shot, and everyone all shot, shot in Arrowsburg, right? With, yes. with, with yes. mostly, with or entirely rather, with casting from the town, the folks in the community. Exactly. Yeah. And so oh. everyone got very excited. I started coughing up and... the dough, the moolah. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> Everyone was thrilled, and then it all uh, it all unraveled from there. Yeah, um, yeah. And it didn't hurt the what was his uh, the uh, the husband the Richie the, Richie of course Richie didn't hurt the yeah. Richie very charismatic. Yes. Um, persuasive. Yes. Right? Yes, definitely. Um, and you know, Jocelyn was kind of. She had a French accent. She was, you know, a little bit mysterious. Um, many people describe her as very beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was the memory of, the and, of them. Yeah, sort of brought a little bit of urbane, ic ic and then, I don't know, like international. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. Uh, and then uh, there was one young man who was, uh, I guess, a burgeoning actor and who was... Named Zach. Yes, Zach. Zach um, was Zach Sterpante was the first interview that we did for the project way back when, and um, yeah, he was a, an aspiring actor at the time. He actually starred in the film that they made, and then he's become, gone on to actually become a filmmaker, film editor, podcaster. He's done a lot of. Uh, oh wait a minute! He does a podcast too. Yeah, he's huge in podcasts. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. He know. did a podcast called Crime Town. So oh, cr okay. Said before that, he he did my podcast. Oh, sorry. But I said before that he did. He was a guest on my podcast. True. True. That may have been his first brush with podcasts. For all I know, it might have been. I think we were. <laughs> we may have done it in his apartment. I don't. It's a okay. while. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But, yes. Uh, but speaking of a long time ago, I do remember, and I know we mentioned this, that the Narrowsburg, again, which is the name of the documentary, and by the way, why don't you tell people real quick how they can see it? Yeah, so It works as a, like a work of fiction almost. Okay. <laughs> like it has all the, all the intrigue and comedy that, you know, entertainment value. Oh, you're so kind. Um, Just does. Yes, you can watch. Uh, you can watch on Amazon, iTunes, or Vudu. Um, and we also have a brand new trailer out, so that's exciting. And that you can watch on Vimeo or by Googling it or, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, well, yeah. we'll, play, we'll play it, like the audio from it, getting uh, <laughs> in and out of the podcast. But, yeah, so I think I went over this a little bit when we did the podcast in, in Camden. <laughs> but but that um, it started as a different kind of almost a different project, right? Because you were originally just focusing on uh, Jocelyn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was, so after we, we, later on, when she had, I think, rented again quote marks. I used them before when I <laughs> when I when I said Camden and nobody saw it, 
but uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, when she rented equipment from Rooftop Films, right? And so you and Dan were going to create this documentary about the unraveling the whole scenario or mystery around her then, but it turned out that it became an even bigger story, which ended up being Narrow's Bird. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it. it uh, I think I'd say just over time, I just became more and more drawn to yeah, what had happened in Narrowsburg and and the themes of the story that were crystallized there. So yeah, yeah it, it it shifted dramatically. I'd say. Right. Were you? I mean, you know, these guys. You got Richie on. I know. He, I, I'm not going to say what happened to him. Uh, uh, but you, you were you ever like you're so deceptively unassuming or polite and charming and sweet and attractive. <laughs> oh God, you're I'm getting like a con artist. And so were you, were you ever, that only could help you maybe, right? Those, that, those, it's, you're so genuine. You can't fake your personality. You, 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 you. So I think that what, especially if you're kind of dealing with corrupt type of people, that maybe they feel a little bit more like they can open up to you. Is that, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I maybe think they're like, just ready you know, to open up, you know, like put them in front of a camera and they'll spill the beans. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to say why they um, agreed to talk to me or why they were, they were so open. I think like, you know, I try to be like non-judgmental towards people to the extent possible while still, you know, asking right tough questions about what happened and um you know it was genuinely entertaining to be around both of them so I think like um you know you could find so I think that I enjoyed the process of interviewing them and talking to them and getting to know them and Mm um yeah but you're gonna get the information out of them you could you could Uh, persuade them if they're trying to uh I don't know hem or or kind of just not be straight you you you'd you'd still be able to persuade them to come clean or whatever i mean i don't know i mean i I would certainly do my best i don't feel like i'm like you know it's not like they they both were the same and both like confessed everything to me you know necessarily i'd say richie was extremely open about everything that happened um because he also had a kind of story about himself which was a, a redemption story um and you know that he had had this tough life made these mistakes but he was different now and then jocelyn i think I think she actually, I'm not sure how open she really was, though it's, it's hard to know. Um, mm. um, yeah, I think, you know, what I learned from this is actually really that you, you really can't, you know, you can't always, without being in someone's head, there's really no 100%, you know, way to, to understand, like, their motivations or what sure. they're going through. I guess so, but I mean, you know, you... you you know, you can, you know that they're holding on, if you know your subject is holding on to uh, withholding information from you, that's kind of vital to your telling your, the story of what you're trying to tell. You yeah. can say things like, well, you know, I, you know, we're trying to do a documentary, but I mean, if you're not going to, you know, if you're gonna <laughs> not divulge stuff, I, I can't really include you in the, in the I, I guess we're going to have to move on. I mean, there's ways to kind of, I don't know if the word manipulate is the right word, but persuade or, you know, navigate that. Like, I, I'm just wondering how comfortable you are with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's basically like you're creating, you're building a relationship of trust in any, like, interview and in the sure. relationship overall. As a and foundation. To, sorry? As a foundation. Once you have established yeah. the foundation, then you start pushing, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you, I guess, or, you know, maybe you don't have to push per se, but you shy of that you know i mean so yeah you certainly you know you ask you explain why you think it's important for you know us to understand that i think that's usually important you ask question the same question in 20 (laughs) different ways um right but yeah that's pretty much the game no threatening no, no threatening. No really, there's no, no alas, yeah, none of no. It's okay. just there's really like if 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 I said to them, 
oh, you know, well, if you don't answer this question, we won't be able to let you, you know, we won't be able to have you in the documentary. They might say, okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. It seemed like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously some people were very, very, lost a lot of money to yeah. Richie and Jocelyn, right? Did they take it, uh, were they almost, it's almost as though they were, it was a gift that you made this documentary because it, it sort of, you know, set the record straight. It gave people an opportunity to sort of process or maybe it was a cathartic, a cathartic experience for the, the folks in the community after, right? And then you actually showed it at the film right there, right? So they got their, their evening. Yeah, yeah. That was very exciting a weekend for us at the Big Eddie Film Festival in Narrowsburg. Oh, right, and right. Yeah, we... we I think we were we were the opening night film. We played to an audience of like 400, which was amazing. And then we had a, a second screening um, that took place in the theater that I had shot in uh, while I was making the documentary. Um, so that was pretty surreal. Um, but yeah, it definitely felt like there was like a kind of like catharsis. Uh-huh in the experience of seeing it for the town and and people coming up to me and saying like this brings closure also lots of like you know disagreement about like oh I, th- I think it you know it was a very accurate portrait of them to some people saying I think you were too kind to the con artist or I think you were too this or that and so um so of course I mean I love that because like everyone has everyone who was there has their own strong opinion of what happened and why and all of that. So it was fun to like, yeah, get to hear people's reactions to the film. And I think for for some people it was very emotional and some people. Right. It was more in the past. Did you, uh, yeah, it was, you didn't shoot anybody afterwards, right? Like anybody at the, after having no um i did yeah that would have been funny just keep making documentary um (laughs) movie by the movie um i didn't do any filming myself though i think the um the q a was filmed by the big eddie film festival Mm -hmm. um but yeah so and the big eddie film festivals is replaced the uh the the richie and uh, jocelyn's festival exactly yeah Sorry. Which was one a one-time festival. Um, it actually took place two years. Um, oh, yeah. It was long con. <laughs> um, but yeah, then after that, then um, for about 10 years, they couldn't say the name, uh, the words film festival in Narrowsburg is what I was told because it has such negative associations. Um, but then wow. after 10 yeah. years, uh, Big Eddie... Big Eddie decided to take their chances and launch again. And I think now film festivals have a better reputation there. <laughs> a new generation. <laughs> a new generation, exactly. Oh, that's great. Any other developments <laughs> since uh, last, uh, when, when, when was Camden? Like the very end of the summer or something like that? Yeah, um, you know, Camden, yeah, it was in September. And then, yeah, and then we went to Big Eddie and then we... Um, we had a great screening at Doc NYC, um, which was huge and sold out and like very fun to have everyone, you know, New York people see the film finally. Um, and then, yeah, and then basically, I mean, it was kind of like we were gearing up for more festivals and then okay. uh, pandemic yeah. right. hit, so. so. Right. Well, in a way you're lucky, right? Cause, oh, not in a way, you were. That yeah, you got the sure. film out, just squeaked it out before definitely you know so you had a, a good pre- great premiere and a you know a number of great did you get it uh, so after doc myc i mm-hmm. guess there's a break in festivals right it slows down a little bit right for the holiday yeah, there was some stuff in other stuff that was gonna have yeah it was more like starting up it again in like february march um we sneaked a few we we won yeah we we won the uh, best docu- the jury award for best documentary at San Francisco Indie Fest. That was, I think, our last oh. festival pre-pandemic. And then, um, congratulations! Actually, we just won the uh, jury award for best documentary at the Calgary Underground Film Festival. So that was exciting. Was that done online? 
underground spirit. Yeah, it was, it was a festival that I would have been at, uh, but tragically it was moved online. But yeah. um, no, it was awesome that they, everyone's kind of reconceiving how to do all this. Every, yeah, everybody's reconceiving yeah. how to do everything. I mean, uh, not just uh, festivals, right? Like, uh, no, everything, uh, everything. Everything in life. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, so but it's it's fun to finally like yeah, have a trailer. I'm excited. I don't know, it's just there was something very fun about um working with our trailer editor and seeing how someone else sort of did you, like did you didn't use Jeremy, work, Jeremy Workman, did you? Uh no, no. I worked with a great guy named Matt uh Gelb. Gelb? Gelb, Gelb? I think. Gelb? <laughs> Sorry, I don't I haven't said his last name out loud. Matt Gelb. Um <laughs> Uh, Family, the Gelbs. The Gelb. I wonder if he's related to the New York Times Gelbs. I don't know. I, I I'm know not putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I generally have no idea. But uh, and who's <laughs> I think he does have a brother who's a filmmaker. <laughs> who's your distributor? Uh, Gravitas. Oh, Gravitas. But the yeah. I have to say, you know, people are absolutely tune in and watch uh, Narrowsburg. Because uh, it is, I mean, at the expense of a lot of people that lost money and had their hopes built up for this festival some years back, it makes a great entertaining story in the end. And then isn't that the most important thing after all? Sure, <laughs> even no. I mean, um, uh, you got they got. To, I mean, and the subjects in the film got to t you know finally got there to tell their story and. You know, you gave them that opportunity, and Richie and Jocelyn certainly seem to have, you know, um, had to reconcile their choices to some degree anyway. Um, yeah. Richie had a little bit harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't want to say yeah. what happens there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's definitely... It's fun. So yeah, I think in the end of the film, someone, you know, talks about how, you know, even though they did suffer this, like, kind of, a lot of people lost money, a lot of people lo lost, um, you know, a lot of people's dreams were kind of yeah, in that also they are left with this great story that they can tell. That's and right. And the document... The Right, and then they, they, they say, get out of here, I don't believe you. They, then they can say, let's go to the videotape. Exactly, Mark exactly. Kane. Proof. Right, exactly. It's a documentary, not a fiction, it's real. Thanks, really to, Thanks to Mark. <laughs> <Kane>. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so there, I'm really hoping that um, some of these theaters, like uh, here in Rhinebeck, which is the next town, well, two towns over, I guess, since I'm Actually, you have to go through the town of Red Hook, which is nearby where I am. Have you been to uh, the Woodstock Film Festival ever? I have not. I would love to go, though. Well, you can't because it's not happening. No, I, they may be doing it in the, like, drive-in. Oh, cool. They yeah, might do the drive someday. On. Yeah. No, they do it in, like, five different towns in the Hudson Valley, like, in this general area. Uh, and I'm kind of in one in, in that area, so I'm in the middle of it all. But, but there's... Um, there's this little theater. It's called the Upstate Theater in Rhinebeck. It's so charming, and I'm. It's hard to understand how they're going to survive, but I. I really hope I'll, I'll. I'll do everything I can. Yeah. And then there's one in Saugerties, which is another. You know, and then Woodstock has a bunch, and um, I'm uh, hoping yeah, all yeah. these places really. You know, I'm worried about it, but I think everybody yeah. will. Yeah, I. I. I think there's people will. You know, they, we all love the arts, and I think people will do what they can to help support and bring bring these you know businesses back. I um, at least I hope so. You know, it's like yeah, all you can do is hope. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm sure, like some businesses will be lost, and and drive-ins will be huge for a while at least. But yeah, I, hopefully yeah, that's not a bad thing, bad. right? That's not such a bad thing. Driving sounds fun. I don't have yeah. a car, but I know me either. Well, no, I do, but I don't think it's gonna. I'm gonna. I don't know. I I I uh, don't know how long that's gonna last. <laughs> yeah. But um, so people go once again go to uh, um, Apple Movies or I, what was known as iTunes, I guess, and uh, 
right? You said and uh, Amazon mm -hmm. and Voodoo. Yes. And see Narrowsburg. Thank you so much. Directed by the one and only Martha Shane. Anybody else we should mention from the crew or? Um, I had a, a great, yeah. I had a great crew. I feel like I could mention them all, but uh, I know if you leave anybody out. <laughs> is there is there a website or is there like a um, what what kind of where can we send people to see the trailer, et cetera? You mentioned that you have a great yeah. trailer. Um, if you go to narrowsburgfilm.com, you'll find all the info there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. That was so oh, nice to talk to you. Thank you. So good to talk to you too. Good luck. We'll I do mean, it again. Thank you. Packing. I'm almost done. I've got down to the very end. Now that we're okay. we're done with the podcast, so yes, I'll, I'll, okay. even, I'll even hit. It started to go bad while we were shooting that movie. People began to talk, and I think they were lining up to give Richie money. Cash was his drug. Where's Richie? I have no idea. Nobody knew where he was. After the first week, all the checks bounced. And that's when the town went from we love you to we hate you. I came there with 300,000 cash. How many hours you work? Well, here, here, here's your money. When I first met him, he got money from me, so. <laughs> but I didn't know where his money was coming from. You got that money? Everybody said they were con artists. It was like, what else could possibly go wrong? It was a total train wreck. Richie grabbed this guy and he started beating it. He goes, we can't have any bums in this town. We got a festival around here. What are you talking about? Are you sure you know what you're talking about? Thank you, everybody. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. We'll be back very shortly with a brand new episode. Write us a review on your favorite uh, podcast app, please. Be kind. Do us that favor right now. You're just sitting there. Just do it. <laughs> All right. Also, follow us on, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Take care. God bless. Oh, 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 o